right, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss the Denver Nuggets win over the Oklahoma City Thunder final score 122-110. At various times tonight, the Nuggets looked like a world beater. They looked like a team where you knew that they could go and do just about anything. And there were times where Denver looked like their old selves, especially like last year where things kind of fell apart and nobody really saved the day unless it was Jokic. And there were times where Jokic didn't really save the day. Uh, I think I was probably a little bit overly harsh on him online, and I want to be able to articulate that just a little bit more in this podcast. But for now, let's be positive. Let's talk about the good things from this game we're going to talk about the starters in the sec- in the first segment, the bench in the second segment, and mostly it's just bench lineups and kind of rotations this time, which not necessarily a lot of staggering before, but now pretty heavy staggering with some injuries coming through. And then third segment, we're talking about whether a win matters how it looks or if it just matters that Denver wins a game. But first, let's talk about Jamal Murray. Let's talk about the player who really kicked Denver into high gear tonight. For a while, especially in that third quarter, the Nuggets were kind of floating. They got off to an absolutely hot start, a scorching start in Oklahoma City from the three-point line tonight. I think they started the game 9 of 12 or 10 of 13. I'm pretty sure they're at 12 of 16 at some point. It was absurd what they were doing from the three-point line. And then that kind of cooled off a little bit, and you start to see, okay, OKC's not going away, they're fighting back, Denver's turning the ball over like crazy, could probably stand to get a a little bit of a kick in the nuts here, just to make sure that Denver wakes up, and it wasn't really happening until kind of the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, when Jamal Murray came back into the game. He was trying to get the team going, he was trying to get everybody on the same page, And at some point, you get to that stage with Jamal where he just takes the entire burden upon himself. He would do this previously, where sometimes he knew that he would have to be the guy, that he could create the shots, that he could create the energy and the fire and put light a fire under his own team so that everybody else can kind of get going there. And this looked like vintage Jamal. This looked like the guy that Denver had been missing last year, where they needed some other ball handler, some other creator who could really get a shot off at any given time and could hit the outside shots, but also drive to the rim and finish around the rim and make some tough plays. And sometimes it's not going to be pretty, but you got to just fight through it. And that's what Jamal did tonight. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't beautiful. There was a really nice reverse dunk, which showed some good athleticism back for him. That was pretty cool to see. He still looks a little bit tentative on some of his drives. Don't get me wrong. But overall, this version of Jamal Murray, the one that scores 14 points in the final 12 minutes of the game, scored 14 points of his 24 in that fourth quarter. That is the version that Denver needs. He is going to sometimes take a shot that you question. He's going to dribble the ball a little bit too much at various times. But there is no question in my mind who needs to be the second best player on this team if they are going to do anything at all. B. 
because they need his fire. They need his competitiveness. They need somebody that can kind of stir the pot a little bit, not necessarily from a dirty side of things, but just making sure that the team knows that he is going to bring them home. Because Jokic only took nine shots tonight. Definitely looked more to facilitate. Definitely looked more to uh, play a little bit more passively is what I'm going to say. But tonight, it was Murray's night. Hit four out of six from three. 24 points. Eight of 19 from the field. Still shot just four of 13 from two. I think his biggest, like the biggest aspect of his game that I can say, okay, this is a... this is some place where he needs to improve, is the floater zone, the drives to the rim where he's a little bit indecisive on what exactly to do. But that's neither here nor there. We're 10% of the way through the regular season. Murray has played, and he's played well, and he's getting better. And that's what matters. Aaron Gordon kicked off this game like a bat out of hell. He was hitting the sidestep three multiple times. Everything was dropping. He finished with 27 points in 36 minutes, 10 of 13 from the field, three of four from three, four of five from the line, five rebounds, three assists, one steal. It's funny, he was the only guy tonight who was in the negative in terms of plus minus. I don't know what that means. I don't know whether that's like indicative of anything in particular. I thought he had a great game. I thought he played pretty well. He won his matchup against Poku. Not necessarily a hard thing to do, but Poku did do some good things out there. But I thought that Gordon played really well. He had the right amount of aggressiveness, didn't force it too much, committed zero turnovers. And when Denver needed somebody to really anchor things at the beginning of this game, Gordon was that guy, and he was the one who benefited from all of the spacing that Denver had. He was the guy that benefited on dug, on dunks, on duck-ins. On, he had some and-ones. It was great. It was great to see from him. That's the exact way you want him to play. You want him to take about 10 to 12 shots every game. He took 13 tonight. Three of four from three. You want him to take about two to three threes, I think. And then you want him to get to the free throw line. But he also had this awesome pass to Yoke uh, when he was driving around, whether it was on a DHO or just a pick and roll, I can't really remember, but he got to the like to the right side of the hoop and just threw a pass over his head to Yoke right under the rim for an easy layup. It was awesome. It was great to see. It was a very Jokic-esque pass. Gordon's playing pretty well. And there are some things that I think you can pick or choose as to whether he's doing a great job on the defensive end or not, but He's playing well on the offensive end. Three of four from three. That's two games in a row where he's really hit his outside shots. Great great to see. Nikola Jokic. I guess we should talk about Nikola. Um, I will talk a little bit more about him in the third segment too. But I just want to preface this with saying was probably a little bit overly harsh in what I had to say on Twitter. Obviously, Jokic cares. Obviously, he wants to win. He's a competitive guy. But there are definitely segments of this game where Denver, going up against Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Alexei Pokashevsky, Darius Baisley, Mike Muscala, Osman Zhang, 
Jokic has such a size mismatch against those guys that there should be no reason why he can't get to the front of the rim and really punish a team for playing that small. There's no reason. Like, he can do it. And he has done it in the past against OKC. Last year, there were games where he had like 30 plus points on 15 shots against OKC and was just very dominant. He was, in his own way, dominant tonight as well. Led the team in plus minus at plus 15 in a 12-point win. So take that for what it's worth. He played 36 minutes tonight. It's not like he wasn't out there and wasn't really committed. He turned the ball over 10 times, but he did have 15 points, 14 assists, 13 rebounds, and route to his 79th triple-double, passing Wilt Chamberlain on the all-time leading uh, list for centers of triple-doubles, and he's now sixth all-time by himself. He's going to get more. He's very, very good. This is like easy stuff for him. When Denver's hitting the shots the way that they are, he benefits from that. He also had some shots or some passes tonight where you just shake your head a little bit, you scratch your head, and you think, okay, this energy that you're using to try to get these shots for others could be better used in just putting your head down and going to the rim at times. He definitely could benefit from that. He had two screening fouls tonight. Uh, Wasn't necessarily his best defensive night, although he did get better in the fourth quarter, I do want to say. There's just something with Jokic at the beginning of the season that it's kind of rubbing me the wrong way. I know that he's trying to get others involved. I know that he's trying to take a step back in terms of his own shooting. He wants other guys to be involved. He doesn't want to be the only show on the team. He wants other people to benefit. And I understand that, and I get that. But at some point, he is the best player. He is the guy that has to take control at times. And maybe his way of taking control is different from the way that I want him to take control, where sometimes you just call for the ball in the post, call for the ball at the top of the key, and you go to work because you're that good. He is a historically great scorer. With his historic efficiency, when he chooses to go at guys, he's very good. And so it's tough for me to, like on one end, I know how much better he can be. I also know that games in November don't matter as much as games in January, March, or May. So I have to be consistent in giving him the same benefit of the doubt, the same credit for maybe stepping off the gas pedal a little bit now so he can step on it harder when it comes to later in the regular season or the playoffs. So it's tough for me. Like I, 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 w- I want to be fully transparent with people. Probably wrong in the way that I approached it on Twitter tonight. I totally get it. But I also think that Jokic deserves to be held to the highest standard possible. Because he's that good. He has a chance to be an all-time great. He's not quite there yet. And there are reasons why. He is so casually dominant that sometimes, when it looks like tonight, it's even too casual. Where he's got a quadruple-double as opposed to a triple-double with 10 turnovers. 
he couldn't even get to 10 in terms of his shot attempts tonight. That was a little bit odd. But I do think it will probably even itself out later in the year. It's just weird. Like, it just, it's odd. Uh, Two more guys, Michael Porter, KCP, uh, in the starting lineup. Not necessarily super notable nights for either of them. Michael Porter, only 10 shots tonight, 11 points, 4 of 10 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. He's just an elite three-point shooter. There's no doubt about that. Um, I thought his defense wasn't great tonight in terms of uh, making the correct assessment, executing the scheme well, things like that. There are definitely some clips that will get out there in terms of, oh man, he just kind of let Josh Giddy walk into a three. And that's not great. That is not a great thing. There were times where he had a bad closeout and then allowed the lane to his man on the baseline. There are times where he doesn't necessarily execute the switch well and and things like that. But he also did have a time where he got a stop on Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Shea tonight had 37 points on 13 of 17 from the field and 11 of 11 from the free throw line. So to say that MPJ got a stop on him, he was one of the few. So there is something to be said about Porter in some of those moments stepping up and being better. I was talking about this with Matt Moore today. Porter's in a better place defensively than he was, where sometimes he was just completely lost, completely turned around. Now, he's just kind of that in that zone where he's a half step behind, a fingernail short in terms of like being able to deflect a pass or contest a shot or things like that. But he's in the right place more often than not now. And that to me is progress. That to me is like, it's not just the effort, like the effort has been good. But if he was just flying around out there and not knowing what to do at all, then that would be a little concerning. He's balanced that out a little bit more where he's showing better effort, but he's also showing better understanding in terms of what the defensive scheme is asking of him. So I like what I've seen. I like the effort. He didn't close tonight, but he still played 29 minutes, so it's not like it's crazy. Bruce Brown was playing reasonably well, so keeping him out there isn't that bad. But I do think that Porter, he will get the opportunity to close again. I think we'll talk about this when we talk about the bench. But I think that some of the lineups with Jamal definitely took away from the shot attempts that MPJ would usually get. So we're just going to have to see how that evolves. But KCP... A very similar line to MPJ, four of nine from the field, three of six from three, three rebounds, one assist, one block. The block, I'm pretty sure, was a strip steal. That's his his staple for sure. But he was also torched by SGA. Definitely not not his best moment. But either way, like you need somebody out there to handle the SGA assignment. And Denver won SGA's minutes by six points. So it's not like they... Couldn't handle him enough, but I mean, good Lord, that dude was, he was balling out there. So Bruce Brown couldn't stop him. KCP couldn't stop him. They threw Jeff Green on him at the end of the game. And that was, uh, I think that worked better than some of the other stuff. So good for Denver for trying things. KCP, probably a better team defender than a man defender. And that's fine. Let's take a break. 
When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench lineup, bench units, and some concerns and questions that I have. But first, this podcast, as everybody knows, is brought to you by your friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they will match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if that bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football this fall. Now that we're getting into winter, too, we're... The winter snow is coming down. Just make sure to visit Superbook.com if you're interested in that Vegas-style wagering. Or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all of the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Back at it, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's discuss the bench lineups now. Let's discuss kind of the the rotations that Michael Malone made tonight. It was a difficult night for him uh, just because there were some tough absences for Denver in this one. Bones Highland inactive tonight. Ish Smith inactive tonight. Peyton Watson and Jack White both went to the G League. Colin Gillespie was inactive, so... Denver had 12 guys available. They had the five guys that played off the bench, and as well as DeAndre Jordan and Vlaco Chanchar. DeAndre Jordan got the night off. I thought that that was a good call by Malone just because of the way that OKC plays. And Zeke Naji got out there and looked pretty decent in the first five minutes. Like There were some things that you like to see, some things that probably need to be a little bit better. Like he got stripped by Lou Dort underneath the basket just because he brought the ball down low as opposed to keeping it up high. He's a big man. He's got to keep it up high if he can. But the rest of it was pretty good. Getting rebounds, getting some baskets, getting to the free throw line. And it was until he rolled his ankle uh, guarding, I'm pretty sure it was Lou Dort, but it could have been somebody else. He rolled his ankle uh, towards the middle of the second quarter. And that was it. That was that was all there all she wrote. And he played just five minutes tonight. That was tough. That was definitely a tough thing. But Jeff Green uh played the second half bench center minutes. He played some power forward minutes on either side of that when Aaron Gordon had to sit. Uh Christian Brown tonight only played eight minutes. And the reason for that was foul trouble in the first half. Uh, just two, he had two fouls early in the first half and really struggled with SGA, as did everybody else. Uh, and then Davon Reed came in for him. And I'm still trying to figure out what Davon really does. Not necessarily sure uh, how to evaluate that fully, but it is interesting to watch. It is interesting to see uh, Davon out there as opposed to some of the other options. But the way that Denver played. With that bench lineup, with the group that they had out there, it was interesting. It was interesting to see. Every single, like, this was, I think, the first game. Maybe. Maybe this was the first game. But in my mind, this was the first game that Denver had one of Murray, Porter, or Jokic on the floor at all times. And just looking through the rotations here, it makes a lot of sense. Like, Bruce Brown had to play backup point guard because... Bones and Ish were out. Jamal 
staggered with that second unit too and gave Bruce Brown a couple breaks here or there. Uh, first half, Denver wanted to get to this lineup. Jamal, actually, well, here's, here's what they went to first. Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, Jeff Green, Zeke Nagy. Pretty switchable group. Christian Brown got into foul trouble. Bruce Brown got into foul trouble. So Jamal Murray comes in, plays with that second unit, and they run a lineup of Jamal, Davon, Michael Porter, Jeff Green, Zeke Nagy, at least for the first couple minutes of the second quarter. And there is something to that. There is something to having a couple of strong offensive players in Murray and Porter out there who can help get you through some tough times. Porter, I thought, was better in the first half, and Murray, I thought, was better in the second. Murray definitely caught fire with that group in the second half and really carried them at the beginning of that fourth quarter especially. But Porter had some times too. I do think that he probably needs to play, like, or maybe not play. I think that he needs to get the ball a little bit more with that bench unit at times. Definitely some times where you're looking and you're thinking, okay, Jamal's pounded the ball a little bit. Denver got deep into the shot clock a little bit. Couldn't get a good shot. Porter didn't touch the ball. Probably needs to be a a larger focal point with that second unit. I wonder if that's just because Murray is coming back. He's trying to figure out how to play when it's with Jokic versus without Jokic versus with Porter and without Porter. There's some things for him to figure out too. I wonder if that would change if Bones was out there in place of Jamal. I don't think that this is going to be a staple for Denver. I think that Bones will probably play most of the minutes that Jamal played with the second unit because that just makes sense. But there is something too. The lineup that Denver threw out there where Bruce Brown kind of played the end of the first quarter and end of the second quarter for Denver. And he was able to give Denver a little bit of a boost defensively in those groups. And he hit his outside shots. That's what you want to see from him. He also had nine assists. So that's what you're looking for. 16 points, nine assists, five rebounds. It's a great night statistically. He really did struggle with uh, SGA, but like I said, so did everybody else. But I do think that the MPJ, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green bench group that Denver rolled out there, it's very switchable. It can be good. I do have some concerns about Jeff when it comes to the length of the season and what it's going to look like down the line. Like There are certain things that he probably won't be able to do, especially when he's playing center. But if you replace him with Zeke Nagy in that particular configuration, maybe it's a little bit different. You could play Porter, Gordon, and Nagy. He can either roll to the rim or he can space the floor. Maybe Aaron Gordon uh, runs things as a role man. But there's a lot that Denver can go to. There's a lot of optionality. And I thought that Malone, honestly, I thought his lineups were really good tonight. I thought there were some good configurations where you get Porter out early in both in both uh, the first and the third quarters. He comes back in early with the bench groups, basically replaces Jokic in those configurations. And it looks pretty good. It looks pretty fluid. I think I'd like to see KCP out with that second group at various points. But if he's being tethered to the starters, playing with 
like KCP, Gordon, and Jokic, if they're all playing together for much of their time, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But Denver should go to those staggered groups. They're going to need to practice with different lineups so that they can have different weapons that they can use in the playoffs. That's one of the things that I was thinking about last year where you approach, I think Adam has actually talked about this too. Denver has always long had a starting unit that they like to play. And then they have one bench unit that they like to play most of the time. And usually there's not a lot in between that's very successful. So the hope is that in the midst of staggering different guys, playing Porter and Murray and KCP and Gordon at different times with that second unit, then maybe what Denver can do is they can find another group outside of the starters and outside of lineups with Jokic that they can really trust, that they can go to and feel good. Because I doubt that they had a lineup against Golden State in the playoffs last year that Michael Malone really felt good about. So we're going to see. I think before uh, Murray went down, he was obviously very good in a lot of those situations in the bubble where you basically stagger all of the minutes with Jokic and Murray and he can carry a little bit. He doesn't always have to carry now because you've got Porter there, you've got Bones there, and the hope is that those guys can get hot too. But it'll be fascinating to see. There's a lot of different uh, players that you can throw out there. And throughout November, I think that Denver's going to throw out a lot of different combinations. And it should be interesting to monitor. But overall, I think this was a good win. I think this was good. It's hard to tell sometimes with this group. But I think this was a good win, despite the fact that, hey, you're struggling with SGA. So is everybody else in the world right now. Denver recovered from a pretty rough spell in that third quarter. They bounced back and showed some grit. Jamal Murray showed some stuff. That's what you want to see from him. I still have no idea really what to think of those non-Jokic lineups in general. But I do think that Having a variety of different looks, having a variety of things that you can feel good about eventually, that'll play out over the course of many months. And it may not feel good until later in the season. So we're going to see. But either way, let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to wrap up with how much does the look and feel of a win matter in the month of November? We'll be right back. segment pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much everybody for tuning in let's wrap this thing up by talking about wins in november and what whether they actually matter or not other than for the win-loss record because that does matter that does get booked and it's a very important thing to win games in november if you're trying to get a high seed in the playoffs it's important to win in every month if you're trying to get a high seed in the playoffs and spoiler alert High seeds in the playoffs generally win championships. It's very rare for a team outside the top three in their conference to win a title. 
I think you'd have to go back a long way to find the most recent example of that, of that, of that not happening. So either way, Denver is 1-0 in November. They are plus two in the road wins minus home losses metric that I am going to track throughout the year. The reason why I'm doing that, if you missed last podcast, I think it's a good way to track just how well Denver's doing in their road uh, success because record is going to matter and you're going to have a worse record on the road than you are at home most of the time. But I do think that Denver, if they can get enough wins on the road and you start to really rack those up, and then you're plus five by December and you're plus eight by January and you're plus 12 by February, then you're on pace for a really, really good season. And so keeping that going and keeping that in the positive direction is the best way to be a great team, in my opinion. I think, and this is going to be my hypothesis, that the teams that travel well on the road and battle and get through all of that are going to be very, very tough to beat in the playoffs because you have to be mentally tough. Like That's just how you have to be. Now, Denver was a better road team last year than they were a home team, so maybe I'm wrong. I think that was more of an aberration than I think that was an example, but it's something to monitor, and I will be monitoring it. I also didn't make the official prediction last night on the podcast, but I think they're going to go 9-5 and five in the month of November. That would put them now 8-5 and five from this point. They're 5-3 and three now, so 13-8. and eight. Through 21 games, that's pretty good. It's about a 50 to 52 win pace or so. I'd take that. In my mind, I think that we haven't seen the best of Denver. I don't think I'm breaking any news when I say that. I think that it's actually a skill to win without looking your best or to feel that you're leaving something on the table and still being able to win shows how talented you are. It shows that the best version of yourselves has so far to go. Now, some teams never find the best version of themselves. Some teams, they find it, but it's a little bit too late. And then they don't have enough time to really take advantage of that. Some teams, they find it too early. And then other teams kind of game plan for them. And they take away what they do best. So Denver has to peak at the right time. They have to look their best and be able to tap into that pretty consistently in the playoffs, and they have to be able to win different ways. But when I think about wins and win profile and things like that, Matt tracks this in a in a more betting-centric way than I do. I think that the feel and the look of wins does matter, and that it doesn't, like you can't just take it fully objectively, because there are some emotional keystone moments that you can look back on throughout a season and think, yeah, that played a major part in the ethos of our team. So what does that look like? Why is that a big deal? What were the wins last year that were a really big deal? I have three that come to mind. One is the game against Philly, when Denver went on the road into a hostile environment and really rallied around Nikola Jokic, and that was a great win. 
I have a Jokic's 30-point fourth quarter and OT game versus New Orleans. I think he went for like 46 points in that game, but he had 16 entering the fourth quarter and then just dominated. Denver had to come back from very far down, and Jokic just put the team on his back in a way that we hadn't seen before. And it was very impressive. And then you've got the 2000-1500 game. Those are the three games that I think of when I think, okay, those were good emotional victories where it meant something to get that win. Not a lot. Not a lot of examples. The year before, I think there were some examples, not not a ton either, where you can look at the road trip before the All-Star break where Murray, Porter, and Jokic were really starting to click. I think of there was an Indiana game in that stretch where I think, okay, this team is really starting to catch fire. Think about the Philly game with Aaron Gordon, where he had just come over and, and played Ben Simmons really strongly, but also it's just some great moments for Murray and MPJ. And then I think of the Clippers game, where Denver goes against Kawhi, Paul George, and a healthy Clippers team, and it felt like a seminal moment for this Nuggets roster, where anything was possible with that group, as long as they were healthy. Obviously, it didn't come to fruition that year for easy reasons to understand. But when I think back to those moments, there wasn't a ton early in the year that you can really look at and think, oh yeah, that was a key moment in Denver's journey. Perhaps if Murray had been healthy for the Phoenix series, then maybe the early wins against the Phoenix Suns, there was a back-to-back that they played against Phoenix One of those games on national TV, both of them went to overtime, one to double OT. Denver came out with both of those victories, and they looked like a great roster during that stretch. But Murray was the big difference in both of those games. So having him and having Denver, like if had he been available for the Phoenix series, maybe he would have made the difference. I don't know. But the point being is that not a ton early in the year where the wins really truly matter emotionally to the ethos of the team. Right now, Denver's in this stage. They are banking victories. It is hard. It is difficult to get up for these games. It is difficult to really try in October and November. And maybe it changes in December. Maybe Denver just needs to have a game again where they're playing a team that matters. I don't think they look at the Lakers and they think, okay, this team definitely matters. I don't think they look at OKC or Utah for obvious reasons. I think they don't think those teams matter in the grand scheme of things. The next game that they play against a team that I think they'll really get up for is probably Dallas, maybe Boston. Maybe it's Boston on November 11th, which is about a week from now. Dallas is on November 18th. They play a two games in a row in Dallas against Faku Kampazo and Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. Maybe those games will mean something. Maybe the game on November 25th against the Clippers will mean something. But they don't have another game against any team that they could really face in the playoffs outside of that Clippers game. Other like And, and I'm talking about like to go to the championship, to go to the finals. Other than the game against the Phoenix Suns 
on December 25th. They don't play. That's the first time they play Phoenix. They play Phoenix again on January 11th. They next play Golden State on February 2nd. They'll play the Clippers on January 13th. So they'll play Phoenix and then LA, the Clippers, on the 13th. So maybe that'll be a stretch that matters. They also play the Clippers on January 5th. I'm I'm missing some games here, but there will be some moments throughout the season where Denver's going to have to get up for those games. And they will get up for those games. And it'll be an indicator of just how good they can be. Now, to win regular season games, to win uh, enough games to really be a top four seed in the West, those aren't the games that really matter the most. It's the games that don't matter. It's the games that are boring. It's the below 500 games. It's the games on the road where you travel to an Eastern Conference uh, team that doesn't really matter, like Detroit or Charlotte or Indiana. And you just bank those wins because you're a good team and your talent carries through. And maybe that's a night you really try. But I don't think that Denver's really fully trying right now. It took them a while before they really got into the game tonight. They are actually, that's not true. They were really in the game at the beginning where you go to like a, a 21 to 4 uh, opening to the game. And then OKC fought back and fought back and fought back and chipped away and chipped away. And then Denver was suddenly losing by the end of the third quarter. And it took Murray really getting into them a little bit, getting the team riled up a little bit until they really started caring. So I do think that a win is a win, and Denver will certainly rack those up. They're, they're going to win a lot of games because their talent is really good. That's one of the reasons why I'm not worried, but I do think it's important to be able to win in different ways. It's important to see that you can win and trust in those victories and be able to look back at those moments throughout the regular season and think, okay, this is a possibility. If we have to play like this in a playoff series, we can win that way. Some examples I'm thinking. Jokic goes off as a scorer. He looks unstoppable scoring the basketball. We know that that's capable. We also know Jokic going off as a passer, as a creator. He's already got 14 assists in this last game, so maybe that we've checked that box. Maybe the one with Jokic as a scorer, maybe that's already checked. And I just... Like, I would just like to see it with the current group, you know? We need a game where Murray looks unguardable. And, like, it's not this one where he's 24 points on 19 shots. It's got to be, like, 35 points on 20 shots. Something like that where he just gets into that zone and he can't be stopped. You need a game where Michael Porter hits nine threes or some absurd number like that where the number is so crooked that you know that he can get to that point and if he does in a, in the playoffs, then Denver wins that game. They're one step closer to a finals. You need a game where Bones changes the game against an elite opponent again. That could be uh, 20 points. It could be eight assists. It could be a surprise number of steals. It could be just getting under the skin of whoever he's going against and winning that mental battle. Denver also needs to rack up some defensive wins where their five-man units are just playing on a string where Gordon is just imposing his will 
where KCP is disrupting everything, where Bruce Brown is getting under the skin of whoever ball handler he's guarding. Now, Denver allowed just 15 points in the fourth tonight. So does this count? Does this count as a defensive win? I don't think so. I think it has to be a game where your offense isn't working and you're scoring like 95 points, but you hold the other team to 92 and you limit their star down the stretch. Games like that. Checking these boxes is important, or it's important to me anyway. Maybe it's important to nobody else. Maybe this isn't the way that teams think about these things. Maybe they just try to go through the same process, and then some of these things happen during the process, and they just try to play the same way pretty consistently every time. But I'm of the opinion that if you play one singular way, and you have no other counter to that, or no other way of playing, then if that one way doesn't work, then you are going to lose. I think Phoenix was like this. I think Utah was certainly like this. And those teams, when the going got tough and the the mid-range jumpers stopped dropping for the Suns, or for Utah, they couldn't stop anybody defensively because Luka Doncic decided no, I will not be stopped today. When you're in those situations and you're coming into a situation where you've never won that way before and you're pushed out of your comfort zone, that is how teams with championship aspirations go to die. They will never turn that point. So I'm hoping that Denver can lock in at various points and show me and show the rest of the Nuggets fans that they can win in different ways, that they can have those seminal performances that you can look back at and say, this is why we believe we can win. This is why the Nuggets should be feared and respected and always in that situation where you have to monitor what they do. If I'm the Nuggets, haven't gotten to that point yet, Maybe going through the motions, you're probably not going to accomplish that. Probably not going to accomplish what I think they should accomplish. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm willing to admit that. But I also think that they're going to turn it on at some point, and it's going to be nice to see that. And they're going to hit this gear, and they're going to look like, okay, Jokic has dropped 40 points. Jokic has passed and created 17 assists, while Murray and Porter Go off for 30 in the same game. Maybe Murray gets to 45 or Porter gets to 40. And Denver's in that spot where those guys can be fully counted upon and fully respected by the opponents. Where Jokic can feel like, okay, we can go to them at various points. But I do think that Denver has to have those moments throughout the year. And maybe it's just a building thing. Maybe it's not just one moment. Maybe it's several moments. But I do think that they'll need to see that before I can truly believe in them. All right. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by Superbook Sports. I know I'm hard on them. I know I'm hard on Jokic specifically, but I've seen him at his best. I know what he's capable of, and I think he's capable of great things. If he wants to be the best, he has to act like it consistently. That's my belief. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. 
going to go off tomorrow. Uh, not have a podcast recording tomorrow night, but Saturday night I will be at the Utah game. Or not Utah. Who are they playing? San Antonio. I'll be at the San Antonio game. That'll be interesting. We'll have a podcast up after that. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.